Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. In the world, how are you guys doing today? This is the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central, YouTube, BamaCentral.com, or if you're watching it on Facebook, Joe Gaither Six on Twitter, right there. Anywhere you get your uh, anywhere you get your social medias, you can find me at Joe Gaither Six. Welcome in to the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central, BamaCentral.com. I really appreciate everybody who's been paying attention to the show so far. We've had a fun couple of six, eight weeks or so on Bama Central. Wow, unbelievable! It is finally here. SEC Media Day is kicking off in Nashville, Tennessee, and we've got uh, our contingent already up there at at, uh, at Nashville. We've got Austin Hannon. Follow him at Austin Hannon SI. He's been in in the room already this morning watching Greg Sankey. He's just watched uh, Brian Kelly. We are really appreciative of Austin Hannon already holding down the fort at SEC Media Day. Is really appreciative of that, and that's what we're going to get into. Because I mean, well, well, uh, we've got a lot of things to get into today. It's Monday. We'll do a teeny bit of weekend review, but really, it is all about college football. It is all about SEC Media Days, and I am so excited, so excited to be up there. Uh, we'll be leaving uh we'll be leaving tomorrow midday or so the rest of the contingent myself katie windham blake byler will be heading up to nashville for the wednesday portion of alabama I mean, wednesday is the only day anybody cares about because the alabama crimson tide are heading up there on wednesday all right sure georgia shows up there and lsu just had their moment but for me for you Alabama Day is on Wednesday, and that's going to be our main focus here on BamaCentral.com. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to be up there a little behind the curtains for yourself. I've never been to SEC Media Days. I've been in the media a couple of years now and mostly held down the fort from home base sending out some of my other partners and colleagues uh, from our from my previous stops. And they, they did a great job. So I'm really looking forward to experiencing my first SEC Media Days uh, up there in Nashville. And so let's get into it. Let's get into the weekend. You can follow us again right there on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, at Joe Gaither 6. You can follow us at Bama Central at BamaCentral.com. You can watch us right there. And you can uh, listen on playback if you want to do it on uh, Podcast Center with Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. Really, anywhere where you're going to get your podcast, you can get us right there. The Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> David, my man. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for, for, for tuning in. David, it is 47 days away from Alabama kickoff. Really, 47 days away from week one, but we're focused on Alabama. Uh, what, seven days minus that? 40 days until Vanderbilt kicks off against Hawaii in Nashville. And so we're right around the corner. Everything is downhill from here. And so what are we going to do on the program today? We're going to talk about Greg Sankey and all his comments. He spent about 30, 40, 45 minutes up on the podium in Nashville I uh, did a little grandstanding, made a couple comments, made a couple announcements. Uh, obviously, did a little self uh, self indulgence because the SEC is amazing. What did he say? Eight SEC, eight SEC ch- uh, national champions last year across sports. I believe that's what the number that he used. And then uh, we also had what the nineteenth ever All SEC final in baseball this past this past year. So lots of great things going on in the SEC. But Greg said he got into some other comments about uh, where we're going in the future. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the Jeremy Pruitt story. If you missed this the show on Friday, you can watch it on Friday. You can watch Friday's show again on all the various playbacks: YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, right there on BamaCentral.com. We talked a lot about uh, Jeremy Pruitt's 
fallout because Tennessee got their punishment. Uh, Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt got their fallout. Well, look, you get the punishment on Friday, but you get details over the weekend. You get details from Coach Niedermeyer and some of the excuses that he used uh, talking to the NCAA were just absolutely laughable excuses. Same with Jeremy Pruitt. Laughable excuses. Why did you pull out thousands of dollars? Why did you have a whole lot of money? Why did you give money to your recruits? Oh, I was thinking about George Floyd. Jeremy, I mean, look, Obviously, I am very anti-racist, and and, and I think that, uh, you know, George Floyd's situation was tragic. Tragic. I don't care where you fall on it. It was tragic. Uh, But come on, that's not really really a reason to give money to recruits because, oh, I was thinking about George Floyd trying to give money to a high school kid. Uh, Weird. So, like, a lot of things to get into with with, with the Jeremy Pruitt stuff as well. a couple of Alabama football players made some big decisions over the weekend, uh, personal decisions that we'll talk about at the very end of the program. We don't want to uh, bog anybody down with religion at the very beginning. We'll do it at the, at the towards the end. Uh, and then also Alabama jumped into the top five. Alabama jumps into the top five in recruiting rankings. Look, all you guys laughing and condemning and making fun of Nick Saban, what, three weeks ago for Alabama. Alabama's recruiting class being ranked in the 30s. Oh, my gosh, Nick Saban's lost it. They don't have NIL. There's no way he can get it back. That Dude, why do we do this every year? We do this every single year. At least for the last four years, we've done this same pattern as Alabama football fans or as football fans in general watching Alabama having that midsummer, late summer push. And now with Caleb Odom's commitment on Saturday, tied in out of Carrollton, Georgia, Commits to Alabama, gives Alabama 14 total commits in the 2024 class, and now Alabama is ranked number five overall in the recruiting rankings with 14 recruits. What does that tell you? What does that, it tells it's very easy. Alabama is recruiting at a hugely high level. You only have 14 recruits, but they have the highest average rating of anybody. So, yeah, you've got that number five overall class locking down and still marching, still going on. Alabama has a lot of great prospects on the hook that we're talking to, that we're recruiting. Look, this Friday we'll hear if William Sanders will join the Alabama Crimson Tide class. Look, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to plan to do, be out there at Brookwood High School on Friday at 3 o'clock watching William Sanders commit. Heck, why, what else do I have to do on a Friday afternoon? Brookwood, only about 25 minutes away from my own house, or from my house. And William Sanders joined us on the program. What? William was our first recruit. William was my first recruit. And I'm so grateful for William's presence on the program. If you missed that, just look it up on YouTube. You can see William Sanders or look it up right there on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. I went through and renamed all my shows so you can see the interviewee who was on that program that day. It should be easy to find. William deciding between Mississippi State, LSU, and Alabama on Friday. So Alabama still has a lot of room to grow in recruiting rankings. And then, look, uh, August 5th, you've got KJ you've got a KJ Bolden and Amari Jefferson both uh, announcing their commitments. Amari Jefferson, a huge wide receiver target due to kind of the Perry Thompson waffling, wavering. Look, I think that Perry will end up at Alabama, but should Auburn end up stealing his commitment? which, you know, Perry's going to make the best decision for himself. But if Auburn ends up stealing uh, Perry Thompson's commitment, Amari Jefferson becomes a huge, huge target in the 2024 class. So he'll be committing on August 5th. We had him on the program. K.J. Bolden, best safety in Georgia, is committing also on August 5th. He's deciding between Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. Look, lots of great prospects still out there for the Tide. And so everybody who's been thinking about, oh, my gosh, Nick Saban's lost it. Ain't no way. They're falling behind. No, no, no. Just give them the, oh, you have the mid-July push, and you're right there with the top five overall classes. So that's kind of what we're all going to get into for the day. Let's um, 
Let's start with Greg Sankey. Let's start with Greg Sankey because it is SEC media days, and he did kick off the proceedings. So what did the commissioner, the most powerful man in college football, say today in front of uh, really the national media scene? He spent about 45 minutes. Uh, and Greg Sankey, look, Greg Sankey, you're always well put together. You're always well composed, and, and it was a pleasure to, to hear you. He did make some self-deprecating comments about boring his new grandchild. Congratulations to a brand-new grandchild, Greg Sankey. Uh, he made some comment. He, he celebrated the Nashville police officers who were on scene uh, stopping the mass shooting in early spring. Tragic situation. Uh, awful situation. Any mass shooting uh, of any kind for any reason, not good. Uh, and and we, we pray for all the victims and really, really uh, celebrate the heroes in that situation, Greg Sankey doing that, bringing them on stage and, and getting a round of applause. But Greg Sankey uh, made some news on, what, three different things? I, I feel like he made a couple of pieces of news uh, during his speech. First, first off, uh, really, this is news that pertaining for, for me and my colleagues. Next year's SEC Media Days will be in Nashville. Next year's SEC Media Days in Nashville. No, excuse me. Duh. I'm reading three different things. Next year's SEC Media Days will be in Dallas, in Dallas, Dallas, Texas, at the Omni Hotel. I've been out to the Omni Hotel two years ago for the Cotton Bowl. Oh, my gosh, the nicest hotel I have ever been in in my life. I'll just go ahead and say that. So if, I, uh, if I'm if i blessed enough to be out there next year in Dallas, that'll be a great experience. It will be. Uh, as far as the media days and the process and the procedure, it will be a great event in Dallas. Uh, I, I feel confident of that. My only kind of complaint is, come on, Greg Sankey, come on. You're going to take really all of us out of the southeast over to Dallas. It's a 10, 12-hour drive from, from here in Tuscaloosa. That's just a little personal complaining. I imagine a lot of the, um, <clears throat> a lot of the, media, uh, the media companies will have to be selective about who they choose and, and, and how they choose to staff that event. Look, that, that, that's 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 small potatoes. That's small potatoes for people who probably do not care. Uh, but it will be a lot of fun next year in Dallas. It basically signifies we're here. It signifies the invitation. It signifies the welcoming of Oklahoma and Texas. And I imagine Texas will be uh, at the forefront of hosting the entire conference, really trying to roll out the red carpet for all of the media uh, out there in Dallas. And look, if, if, if I'm blessed enough to be out there, I imagine it's going to be a beautiful and amazing experience out there in Dallas. And so, look, that was the next piece. Of, that was the next uh, big news that Greg Sankey broke. Secondly, Greg Sankey announced or uh, really furthered all of our assumptions that they're continuing. They're going to continue to uh, work the relationship with the Mercedes-Benz Super, Superdome and in, in Atlanta to continue to host the SEC championship game in, in Atlanta. Look, it is a beautiful place. The, the, the thing about the SEC, SEC does championship events at an, at, a, at an incredible level. They do championship events at the highest level. I, I mean, you talk about, yes, amateur amateur athletics. No, no, no. Uh, SEC is like professional light. But the championship events in Bridgestone Arena for SEC basketball, incredible. The football events, incredible over, over in, in Atlanta. And really, even – I look, you guys may or may not love baseball – and I kind of am a little bit like indifferent on it, but I will be honest with you. The SEC championship, the SEC tournament week in Hoover 
It's incredible. It's one of the most fun events in uh, that's out there. Whether you like baseball or not, it is so much fun. I've been up there a couple of times. It was. It is so much fun. The pageantry, the uh, you know, the spirit inside the Hoover Met. Really, the the I think I find it to be very clean, a, a great environment. I find it to be a very, very family friendly environment. The SEC does championship events at the highest level, and Greg Sankey uh, furthering to commit to do championship events at the highest level, committing to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome uh, over there in Atlanta for further uh, for further SEC championship events. Now, uh, Greg Sankey obviously did a lot of, you know, we're the SEC, we're the best, and, and, and this is amazing. And Look, he's on it. He's right. The championship level, he talked about, what, 70-something NFL draft picks. He talked about the most ever WNBA draft picks of all time. He talked about all the number one overall picks. You had Bryce Young. You had the top two collegiate basketball players. You had the top top WNBA pick this year. Look, you had loaded rosters everywhere. Number one and number two. Thank you, LSU. Number one and number two overall baseball uh, in, in the Major League Baseball draft. Look, the SEC is absolutely loaded. You won. You won the baseball. Uh, you won the baseball national championship. You won the, the the women's basketball national championship. You won the college football national championship for the umpteenth time. What did they say? Five programs have won the last seventeen college football national championships. So, yes, the SEC is absurdly healthy and is doing very, very well. And so we spent time talking about all the great accomplishments of the SEC on and off the field, uh, highlighting several members of the incoming College Football Hall of Fame class. Uh, No Alabama players, but uh, several SEC legends in the Hall of Fame class. Excellent. Uh, uh, in, In the new Hall of Fame class. And so Greg Sankey highlighting all the great things. But... Then going to, secondly, going go, go, kind of moving into areas of concern, areas of interest for the SEC, areas that needs to be that need to be addressed. And I think, uh, well, well, we'll talk about it. What, what he said first. First, he gets into NIL, name, image, and likeness. And if you're watching this program, you're very, very familiar with name, image, and likeness and its impact on college sports. I think that a lot of people are, you know, pe- pe- people fall on different sides of name, image, and likeness. People fall on, oh my gosh, I love amateur athletics and I loved it when these guys weren't getting paid. I don't quite understand that perspective, but that's fair perspective and people have it. That is, that is okay. Uh, I stand on the I love NIL perspective. These athletes are the labor and these athletes really drive the product. Look, you take Julio Jones, you take, you know, Mark Ingram, you you, you take Najee Harris, you take any of these guys off the field uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and the product gets worse. The product is not as good. You take Bryce Young off the field and you replace him with average Andy athlete like myself, the product is not as good. So the athletes are the labor. The athletes are giving us the, the pleasure each Saturday. Yes, Nick Saban is an amazing coach. He's a great coach. But Nick Saban can coach me. And you will not have as much success. Nick Saban can coach average Andy athletes, and you're not going to be winning nearly as well, as much, and it's not going to be nearly as fun. Nick Saban is successful because he is able to recruit the best of the best athletes, the Jerry Judys of the world, the Will Andersons of the world, really the C.J. Mosleys of the world, everybody who has made impacts over the NFL uh, on the Alabama program is worth really earning some money. But uh, Greg Sankey, I digress. Greg Sankey goes on and says, we have a huge NIL problem. And I don't know that he's incredibly wrong. I think he's probably correct because Greg Sankey outlines and highlights that you have 
14 states. Uh, yeah, 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 let's see, Oklahoma, Texas. You've got what, 12, 13 states uh, you know, operating amongst 12 or 13, you know, 12 different rules on name, image, and likeness. And all of them, all of them are operating with the intention of helping their member, their, their member, their university members. Uh, so you had Texas recently put out name, image, and likeness regu- regulations at the state law level. And who was involved in the legislation? University of Texas and Texas A&M. Working hand in hand saying, hey, here's how we can help. Here's how we can get one over on the rest of the conference. Here's how we can compete at the highest level. Here, this These rules, these policies will help the Texas athletes stay in Texas and want to come to A&M and want to come to the Longhorns and thus not go to Alabama, not go to LSU, not go to Georgia and the like. And so you have these member states all were operating really at different levels, all operating on levels where they're trying to, you know, the state of Alabama. Is the state of Alabama really working for uh, Auburn and Auburn and Alabama? Is uh, are KIV and her associates working with the member universities of Auburn and Alabama? I, you know, I don't know if you're getting that level of cooperation in the state of Alabama. You obviously are getting that level of cooperation in the state of Texas, and it, uh, the state of New York was recent was noti- uh, was recognized in, in Greg Sankey's uh, speech that they were the most recent uh, state to enact new name, image, and likeness rules. Greg Sankey talking about the problem is the states are not recognizing the SEC as a governing body, and they're not recognizing the NCAA as a governing body over the over the member conferences. So all. 14, now all 16 member members of the SEC will be playing under different rules. And that's what Nick Saban, that's what Nick Saban is really, uh, I think that's really what, where he wants to see change. I don't know that Nick Saban wants to take name, image, and likeness away. And I don't even think that Nick Saban wants to enact a salary cap, as, as he's even said. I don't think that Nick Saban wants to enact any sort of uh, any sort of rules or, or, or regulations that will uh, hinder his athletes from making money. What I do think, I do think Nick Saban wants to have it to where all 16 teams in his league are playing under the same rules. Can we play high schoolers? Can we pay high schoolers right now to run commercials for Tuscaloosa Toyota? Can we pay high schoolers right now based out of out of the Yay Alabama fund? Can we pay high school? Because in Tennessee, let's be honest, in Tennessee, we had Amari Jefferson on oh, eight, nine weeks ago. Amari Jefferson can, can get himself an NIL deal right now. Boo Carter, Boo Carter, big big time recruit in Tennessee, became the first high school athlete in Tennessee to sign a name, image, and likeness deal out of McMinn County High School, and then obviously and now Boo Carter is committed to the University of Tennessee. He's going to be a good little wide receiver, great great kid. But did Boo Carter, did Boo Carter in a name that not everybody knows, did, is, is Boo Carter taking advantage of rules that uh, you know if he had been in Georgia, in Alabama, in Kentucky, not been not, you know what he wasn't able to take advantage of. Him. That's the problem. You have 14, 15, how many states are in the SEC? Probably 12 off the top of my head. I'm not doing math off the top of my head. I know Mississippi State, Mississippi has two, Texas has two, Auburn has two, uh, Alabama has two, Tennessee has two schools. So you're probably operating off uh, 12 member states, I believe, 12 member states uh, for, for the SEC. And Greg Sankey wants the – universities to all follow their own rules. Look, Greg Sankey talked about how he thought that he that the SEC is big enough to make its own and be in agreement on its own name, image, and likeness rules. The problem is you're getting pushback from the states. You're getting pushback from the universities. And I think, honestly, I think your universities are all publicly saying, let's get something unified. 
Let's get something that works for everyone. But I think behind closed doors, Brian Kelly is going to uh, the Louisiana state legislator and no, no disrespect to Nick, Nick Saban and Hugh Freeze. I think Nick Saban and Hugh Freeze are working with the Alabama legislature. I am confident <laughs> that Kirby Smart has got his representatives working in Georgia. These member universities are working with their state legisl- legislations to work the system in their favors. Well, you all play fantasy football, and if you don't, if you, don't you know about it. I play fantasy football with my buddies, and whenever a new rule comes up, we get divided 10 different ways because all 10 of us, even though we say, oh, we want the best thing for our league. And we do. We all say that every single time in public. I want the best thing for my for our league. I want us to be healthy. I want us to compete together for the next 20, 10 years. And yes, this is the, the tiny, stupid game of fantasy football. But when it comes time to voting, when it comes time to voting and really enacting those rules, you see or I see in my own tiny, meaningless league Ten different opinions go ten different ways, all voting for their own interests. And that's just what it is, because all ten of us want to win. All ten of us want to have the, you know, we want to win the $100 at the end of the rainbow. It's not big money. We're not playing for big money, but we're all hyper-competitive. So think about it on the grand scale of millions and billions of dollars. Think about it on the grand scale of national television and national relevance. No one knows who wins my fantasy football league because there's none of us that are popular. But everyone knows who wins the SEC. Everyone sees the SEC compete. Everyone sees the superstars that play in the SEC. And so, of course, they're all working. They're all trying. They're all motivated by competitive edge. I think that Greg Sankey goes into his, his diatribe and says, we need federal legislation. We need federal legislation to enact federal rules on name, image, and likeness, unified rules across the, uh, the United States, across the uh, landscape of college football. And look, this is not a political show. And, and, and really, I have a lot of indifference to politics due to you know my own, my own personal feelings. I don't really lean right or left. I kind of play halfway in the middle on, on a lot of sides. But I have zero confidence. I'm honest. I have zero confidence in federal legislation getting done. I mean, uh, look, you can feel however you want to feel about who's in the White House. I've kind of felt the same way over the last several or several participants in the White House. It doesn't matter if you're pro-president, anti-president, if you're conservative, if you're liberal. I just don't have confidence in the federal government legislating NIL. One, I don't necessarily think that it's worth their time. Come on, our healthcare needs to be readdressed. Infrastructure <laughs> needs to be addressed. Real problems in the country. Real problems that affect real people. And yes, we all watch college football on Saturdays. And so, yes, wins and losses make us feel some kind of way. But come on, I'm talking real problems. We don't need to be wasting the government's time with football rules. Come on, can we not work together? Can we not figure out, hey, you know what, SEC, all our states may be saying different rules. All our states may be under different, uh, you know, laws and, and legislations. But we all are playing, you know, high-level college football. We're all playing in the SEC. Can we not all, you know, bunk the bunk the, the state's rules and, and agree to some sort of legislations together? These are the bylaws of the SEC. These are our name, image, and likeness rules. And these name, image, and likeness rules will, will go for all 12 states, all 16 member schools. That's what I would be pushing for. That's what I would be pushing for because I have no confidence in the federal, federal government. 
I mean, you, you, like I said, you can feel whatever way you want to about the federal government and about its effectiveness. But come on, we really should not be, in my opinion, wasting the federal government's time uh, worrying about college football rules. Come on, it made me think about uh, what? When I was a child, the Balco scandal in Major League Baseball, you had the several Major League Baseball players. What? Uh, you, you had Rafael Palmero, you had Sammy Sosa, you had Mark McGuire, everybody up in Washington testifying about whether they took steroids or not. Look, don't waste their time. It's not that. It's the, it's the, the federal government has way higher, you know, bigger priorities, bigger fish to fry. Can we fix our budgets? Can we fix our roads? Can we work on our health care? Like, there are real things that affect real people, not college football rules and whether high schoolers are getting paid and who's in charge. Now, look, Greg Sankey said several different things that he wants to see happen in name, image, and likeness. I, I, I think that several of them are positive steps. First, he said he wants to see a national registry of agents. That's absolutely a positive step. Absolutely a wonderful step. And why? Look, we had Joseph Iannotta on last week. And Joseph Iannotta, great guy, great guest. Uh, and you can watch that the Thursday program if you want to listen to that Alabama football commit uh, from Thursday. But Joseph Iannotta said, me and my agent, and I should have pried him on it. I should have pried it on it a little bit about the agent because he talked about uh, working on a head and shoulders deal. He had lovely hair. And he talked about a Publix deal as well. Hope he gets that pub sub. But he said, me and my agent have talked about it. Now, Joseph seems like a smart guy. He seems like he came from a, a, a well, well-run family, very smart family. I'm sure that he is in good hands, but I don't know anything about that agent. I, I didn't ask. That was a failure on my part, and I apologize to you, the listener, for that. But look, you need to have some sort of registration. You need to have some sort of rules. If you are a... If you're an agent in the National Football League, you are under uh, a registry. Everybody can look up who the agents are, who has who has passed the. Te- I mean, they give a test. They give a test based on the rules to the agents to to get into basically the club. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that prevents uh, just random Joe Schmo. And, you know, hey man, I represent uh, Will Anderson, and uh, you know, Will Anderson will uh, Will Anderson will be representing your your Mercedes dealership, all you got to do is give me $100,000. I'll give him $98,000, of course. I'll take my 2%. Uh, Dude, the registry I do find to be very, very important. I do think that you have to be on the up and up if you're going to be representing the high schoolers, if you're going to be representing the athletes in college, if you're going to be representing the athletes going forward. Look, I think that you have seen a lot of professional uh, uh, professional agents taking steps to represent colleges as well. So you have real representation out there, but you also have Jimmy whoever and Johnny whoever representing, you know, high school player X. This is my nephew. He wants to do an NIL deal. Look, that's not as good. That's not fun. That's not that's not a safe. And and I do think that really the best interest should be protecting the athletes at hand, protecting the, the players at hand. So the national registry, registering agents, registering agents who can broker deals, uh, put, getting it on the up and up, I think is is a very strong move. Greg Sankey, I absolutely support that. Look, if I wanted to become a college football agent and say, look, I'm representing, you know, Tyler Buckner, I'm representing Justice Haynes, I'm representing. People should know who I am, honestly. People should know that's Joe Gaither. He's representing this client. You know, he's a legit person, not some shady dealer, backroom dealer that Justice Haynes is going to show up and sign 1,500 autographs. No, no. You should have a real 
business person, uh, a real person with experience, with connections, with a reputation, a positive reputation of representing the athletes. So I definitely agree that Greg Sankey's uh, desire for national registry for the agents is is a positive step. A hundred percent. I think that's a positive step. Now, Greg Sankey also talked about registering the deals, getting some sort of, okay, you get uh, Will Anderson signs with Tuscaloosa Toyota, then it gets him, you know, there becomes paperwork, there becomes guidelines, there becomes structure. Well, Will Anderson gets $30,000 and in exchange he does four commercials. And it's written all out there. It's defined. Everything is protected. And that way you have, you know, business protections, you have player protections, you know, oh, the player ends up transferring and you don't get the money and and uh, you, you have outs in the contract. Basically, just protections for the athletes, I do agree, is a positive step. So I would love to see Greg Sankey further his his cause to have unified rules. I just question or wonder if federal if the federal policy is the right way. Now, Greg, he outlines, Commissioner Sankey outlines the difficulties because these states are really working kind of counterintuitively with the you know, or with the uh, SEC and with the NCAA because these states are working for their member organizations. Texas is working for the Longhorns. Texas is working for the Aggies. Texas is working for Texas Tech and for Baylor and for all these other, for TCU. They want all the best athletes in their own state. Come on. That's just the way it works. You want the best athletes in your own state. You want all your teams to be successful because it makes the most money for your state. If Alabama and Auburn are the best two teams in college football, the stadiums are full. The attentions are on the state the merchandise goes up and the state goes way up. So, so like the states are working counterintuitively with the you know, with, with the uh, ESEC and the NCAA, and I do think that that is a problem. I think that's a major problem. I just don't know that you're going to get real cooperation at the federal level, and I don't know that it's really uh, worth the federal government's time. All right. So the, ne- the last thing. All right. The last thing that Greg Sankey got into that I found interesting, uh, and I really appreciate everybody hanging out through through this diet drive. We're almost thirty minutes through the program, only on our first subject. And I really appreciate everybody watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And you can tell a friend about the program, the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. Look, Greg Sankey talked about gambling, and he said Alabama without saying Alabama. It was kind of ooh, kind of felt like a shot. I'm watching from my living room, and I got a little bit oh cringe. He said we had an incident this year about it with a team uh, with a team uh, affecting the competitive edge uh, the competitive balance obviously referring to Brad Bohannon giving insider information to a gambler in Cincinnati oh gosh we talked about that story what two weeks ago when Pat Forty announced a lot of the details a fella Eugene Neff tried to gamble a hundred thousand dollars on a baseball game Eugene could you be any more obvious you dummy could you be any more, you know, cavalier with your with your comments? Oh, I have insider information on the game. You have to take this bet. I do think the gambling, you know, is a, is a problem going forward in college athletics. I definitely do. Uh, and, and this comes from a guy who likes gambling. I, I, look, I do not wager much because I hate losing money. I despise it. I despise losing $1. So when I wager, it's, hey, I can spend 10 bucks on a game and maybe I'll get 20 in return. Look. 
wagering is fun. It is. I And following the lines is fun. But I do think that you have a huge, huge problem on the horizon if you cannot get uh, legislation, if you cannot get um, really cooperation, if you cannot really get it under, under control. Uh, you, you, Greg Sankey talking about states' transparency. It's interesting. On one hand, he calls for federal legislation and federal help. And on another hand, he calls for states' help and states' legislation. Obviously, the gambling, uh, sports betting is usually legislated at a state level. And so the, uh, you what have 30, I think it's 32 states right now that, that have uh, legalized gambling. I think that's it. Maybe that's an overestimation, but I believe it's 32 states that are that have legal sports gambling. Um, and so you, you have a hard time. You have a hard time really legislating, you know, is an Alabama player gambling on an Alabama basketball game? Is an Alabama player wagering on a football play, uh, on a Kentucky football game? It's, it becomes messy. It becomes hard, 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 hard to control and hard to legislate. Now, I'm not insinuating any Alabama, implicating any Alabama players. Those are just examples. Those are just kind of hypotheticals off the top of my head. You can switch it to any university. Any university, because look, these athletes talk. These athletes are buddies. These athletes work out in the same areas. They they, they kind of experience the same experiences. And gambling is a is a, is a, it's you know it's an attractive uh, it's an attractive proposition. You can make quick money if I know that Johnny is hurt. I know that Billy is hurt, or I, I you know I can make quick money, and it becomes tempting. I think that this is part of you know the temptation needs to be eliminated. And I think NIL will help eliminate the temptation because if you're if you're lining the athletes' pockets fairly, there's not really there's not really any motivation to gamble, uh, in my opinion, outside of just the thrill of gambling. I can say, you know, you know my, my, Michael Jordan loved the thrill of gambling. He didn't do it for he didn't do it for the the financial gain. I think he did it for the competitive edge. And so that's one issue to deal with. I think if, if the NIL is lining these players' pockets, you will see a reduction in the gambling issue. I think what you've got right now is uh, players seeing players and athletes and coaches and, and and really anyone involved in athletics see seeing a lane, seeing an avenue of, hey, I can make some money over there. I'm not getting fairly compensated in this way, so I've got to make up for it in that way. Uh, and, and that's probably where you see some of the gambling temptation coming into play. And, and and it does concern me. It absolutely concerns me. Greg Sankey outlines and talked about really his main point was his main point was kind of the reaction, the gambling reaction, the losers lament going on social media and talking to the athletes. Hey, you bomb, you stink, you cost me a hundred thousand, you cost me five thousand, whatever the case may be. Going and following officials, that call cost me a hundred grand. That call cost me three thousand, whatever. Uh, immediately, immediately, the Tennessee football game comes to mind. The Alabama Tennessee game comes to mind. 17, 18 penalties on Alabama, particularly the final pass interference that was. You know, 50-50, I have gone on record last year at my previous job saying that the pass interference, you know, you did get the pull on the back of the uh, – from behind that caused the tip up and Kool-Aid get to get the interception. Yes, I would have loved to have had that be the final play and find, and really seal the deal. You've got, oh, the back judge threw the penalty from, from 30 yards away. The back judge was rigging the game for Tennessee. I'm not sure that I agree with that. 
I, the Tennessee game, I don't believe was rigged. I, I do believe it was. Um, I, I, I do believe it was tightly officiated. I do believe there were officiating mistakes, namely the forward progress later in the game that had the fumble that Alabama didn't get picked up. You know, just many things went wrong for Alabama in the Tennessee game. Initially, when Greg Sankey's talking about gambling and talking about throwing games and fixing games. My mind jumps right back to the Tennessee game. No, I don't think the Tennessee game was fixed. But I do think that after that game, there was a huge, angry contingent going after the officials. Huge, angry contingent of Alabama fans going after the official officials. And look, even me saying that I don't think the game was rigged, I can see why people would think that. There were several questionable calls. Maybe it's just my naivete that thinks that college football is not rigged in that fashion. Uh, but 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 really, uh, you can see why people would be so upset. And Greg Sankey talked about the fallout, the the gambling fallout, people going after athletes, people going after coaches, going after officials, officials, and that really uh, there needs to be a line there. Uh, there absolutely needs to be a line there. You can remember, oh my gosh, Kate Foster. I can remember Kate Foster uh, missing a field goal and getting death threats. You can think of the same thing. Adam Griffith missing the kick kick six field goal and getting death threats. It's not gambling, but it's the same sort of reaction. You cost us the game against Auburn. We're going to come kill you, blah, blah, blah. Come on, guys. If you cannot lose money and handle yourself respectively, respectably, then don't gamble. You, you, you have no, no reason to gamble. You have no reason to play the game. Look, if you cannot uh, risk the $10, the $100, the $30,000, whatever the case may be, whatever your money, whatever your unit of gambling is, if you cannot risk that without losing it and losing your mind, Maybe you need to reconsider your gambling activities or the way that you spend your money. All right, so that's really Greg Sankey kind of opened all that up, and then he closed his comments by re-putting the roses on the SEC, talking about how successful the SEC is once again, how healthy the SEC is once again. And, yes, the SEC is the standard of all of college athletics. It doesn't really matter what sport you're looking at. Obviously, football is our focus right now, but it doesn't matter what, what your focus is. SEC athletics, SEC football, basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics, baseball, softball, really all over the map. Yes, equestrian too, <laughs> track and field, swimming and diving. The SEC is the premier uh, conference of all of college athletics, and it will continue to be the premier co conference in all of college athletics. I am very confident of that. And Greg Sankey is um, he's a wizard. He's a business wizard, and, and, and he's a genius. I think people uh, have – maybe in the past, wondered about Greg Sankey's commitment to the University of Alabama and commitment to, uh, you know, amateurism. But I think Greg Sankey's commitment is to the furtherance of the SEC, the furtherance and really taking the SEC into uh, into a place where it's untouchable. And we're getting there with Greg Sankey. Uh, the additions of Oklahoma and Texas, golly, I'm sorry, Big Ten, but you can't do it. Uh, the, 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 uh, the content... The, what, you've, what you've got in the Big Ten is just not really – I mean, yes, Ohio State, Michigan, great. You're bringing in USC, great. But uh, SEC, one step ahead, one step ahead. <laughs> oh, David, another great compliment. I appreciate it. Oh, we we're just riffing. I've, uh, uh, I've, I've had my coffee this morning. I've got plenty to talk about. I really appreciate your kind comments, David. And I really, uh, it really helps me continue to keep going. Uh, where are we going next? Where are we going next is I want to hit on the details – 
the details that have come out in the Tennessee case. Now, we, we hit it on, on Friday. If you missed the Friday program, it's right there on YouTube. It's right there on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you can find the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. We spent about 30 minutes talking about Jeremy Pruitt and what Tennessee kind of did to save themselves $4 million. And I do still contend that Tennessee won this engagement. Tennessee and the NCAA kind of had their little backdoor deals of, uh, you know, we're two big-time organizations. We are not going to let little man Jeremy Pruitt take down the NCAA, take down the University of Tennessee. And that's exactly what they did. They slapped Jeremy Pruitt with a six-year show-cost penalty. They allowed Tennessee to negotiate a lot of their penalties, uh, a lot of their self-imposed bans, their self-imposed scholarship reductions, which, granted, that's part of, that's part of going forward. What I find absolutely kind of uh, really interesting, really, really interesting is the state legislature, the attorney general, the state's attorney general getting involved in the investigation, getting involved in the case. The state's attorney general kind of played a background role in the case with the NCAA saying, you cannot, you cannot put a postseason ban on the University of Tennessee. And it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to me that, you know, the offender, the, the 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 party that has been in trouble is legislating or dictating what the punishment will be. You cannot ban us from postseason play. What did the attorney general say? The attorney general, the Tennessee attorney general, who is not affiliated with the University of uh, with, with uh, University of Tennessee, works for you know the state of Tennessee. <laughs> He says you cannot impose a bowl ban, a postseason bowl ban on uh, the University of Tennessee's football program. It's unconstitutional and would violate the state's rules and state's laws on name, image, and likeness because you would limit the athlete's exposure to postseason play. What? How absurd. And this goes back to the very beginning of the conversation with Greg Sankey talking about states working in NIL and legislating laws that circumvent the NCAA, that circumvent the SEC, that circumvent rules and, and, and punishments. So what? The NCAA says, OK, we can't put a postseason bowl ban because your state law says that it would violate name, image and likeness and prevent uh, the athletes getting exposure in the Music City Bowl, in the Orange Bowl, in the college football playoff. So essentially, the University of Tennessee Knoxville worked with their state government and worked with the NCAA to work out a punishment that not only took a big old dump on Jeremy Pruitt and a lot of his assistance coaches, Michael uh, Nicewinder, uh, excuse me, Brian Niedermeyer, and Derek Ansley specifically. <laughs> But they also avoided the postseason bowl ban because they said, oh, it's it's against our state law. So, Kay Ivey, I'm sorry, Miss Miss Kay Ivey, we got to get you on this. Uh, we have to get a state law that, you know, works for the University of Alabama and Auburn University and UAB and South Alabama and Troy and the like and say, hey, you cannot suspend any of our programs from postseason bowl bans. What a wild, what a wild, like, and, and so the state's law now supersedes the NCAA's rule of <laughs> So what is the NCAA for? What are they for? They're for nothing. They stand for nothing. I got a buddy who is a big Tennessee fan who talked about, you know, Tennessee cooperated with the NCAA, got themselves off. I said, buddy, if you had taken the LSU route, you remember Will Wade and Ed Orgeron, what, three, four years ago? If you had taken the LSU route, Will Wade said, Hell no, I'm not talking to you, NCAA. No, you gotta come prove it. He said, Hell no. 
we're not talking to you. I'm not cooperating with the university. I am coaching my program. And yes, Will Wade did get himself fired two seasons later, but it bought him two extra seasons. And what's his punishment now at Moorhead's at, uh, at, at the small school that he's at in Louisiana, I think it's Moorhead State. Uh, it's like a six game punishment. He got slapped with like a six game punishment because he basically gave the middle finger to the NCAA and said, hey, come prove it. Tennessee instead bent over, opened all their books and said, hey, here's all the evidence. Can we can you help us not pay Jeremy Pruitt $12 million? And the NCAA said, well, if you give us eight, that'll save you four and we'll make this all go away. It's unbelievable. Now, Jeremy Pruitt, some of his excuses. <laughs> Brian Niedermeyer specifically. Niedermeyer, the, the, the tight ends coach, uh, it, it comes out that Darnell Washington is prospect number two uh, in the NCAA's in- investigation. Darnell Washington, you guys all know, just got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Darnell Washington, two-time national champion with the University of Georgia. Darnell Washington played uh, Niedermeyer like a, like a fiddle, basically taking money left and right from Niedermeyer, uh, forcing him into m- multiple NCAA violations, and and then went to Georgia. So let, 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 let's be honest. Let's be smart. Come on. You're not dumb, listener. You're not dumb, watcher. If Darnell Washington takes money in his, in, his, uh, in his recruitment to go to Tennessee and ultimately goes to Georgia, are we going to assume that he went to Georgia out of the goodness of his own heart? Are we going to assume that he went to Georgia because he likes the campus, because of the pretty girls, because of the N- N- NFL connections? Sure, that's part of it. I, I imagine that's part of it. But let's be honest, there are pretty girls, and there's it's a decent campus in Knoxville, and Tennessee gets players to the NFL as well. Maybe not as high a rate as Georgia has over the recent years, but you can get to the NFL from 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 Knoxville. It's a pretty straight shot. Once you're playing in the in the uh, SEC, <laughs> Darnell Washington, we're not stupid. I mean. Maybe we're not stupid. You got to imagine what did Georgia uh, foot Darnell Washington? What did Georgia do for Darnell Washington to attract him, to bring him on into Athens? I'm sure the championship culture is great. The NFL development is great. The beautiful women in Athens are great. The nice academics are great. I'm sure the nice dining hall in Athens is excellent. You got a nice dining hall pretty much in every SEC facility. <laughs> it's ridiculous uh, to, to assume that Darnell Washington went to Georgia for free. Went to Georgia just for a scholarship. Now, look, you guys know I am very pro player. I don't have a problem with Michael uh, with, with Brian Niedermeyer paying recruits money. I really don't have a problem with any recruits getting any money, even before NIL. Why? Because I feel like it's been going on since the dawn of time. I mean, come on. It's been going on forever. Uh, it, it, it really... Uh, incentivizing recruits through any means possible, any means necessary. What I find absurd is the excuses that, that, that uh, Niedermeyer gives. Niedermeyer gets pulled into the NCAA and, uh, and, and for his investigation is asked, dude, hey, you got this drawer full of cash in your office. You've got large uh, withdrawals from your bank account in cash. And they ask him, what's up with that? What are you doing with all this cash? Why do you, why are you, you know, pulling large sums of money out of your bank account? And he says, he says, well, I share a bank account with my parents, which first major, what do you lie? I share a bank account with my parents and my girlfriend is very expensive. My girlfriend has very expensive tastes and she likes to spend money. My parents don't like my girlfriend. So I pull money out so I can spend money on her off the books without them knowing. Um, 
Niedermeyer, you're an adult. You're a grown man. Let me let me just Google you real quick. How old are you? Brian Niedermeyer. Nieder. How old are you? You I mean, you're 34 years old. You are one year older than I am. And granted, I don't have a bank account or I did not have a bank account that was connected to the University of Tennessee's athletic program, bringing in probably four or five hundred thousand dollars a season. But my parents are not on my bank account. I love you, mom and dad. If you're watching, I absolutely love you and love all the help that you've ever given me. But they're not on my bank account. They don't monitor my money. Uh, They don't. I mean, I would love a little help with the budget. Uh, Hey, maybe you need to tweak this, maybe tweak that. Love the advice there. But come on. You cannot fool me into, into, into believing that your parents are tied onto your bank account, that your parents have your bank account information. Um, not that I have anything to hide, mom and dad. If you want my, my routing information, you can look it all over to make sure everything's going on the up and up. But like that's just not something that my parents are doing. And that's not something that the average parent, I believe, is doing. For one, that's, that's, that's step number one. Number two, your girlfriend, my girlfriend spends a lot of money. My girlfriend is, has expensive taste and I don't want to get into, look, are you stupid? Are you stupid? I've had a couple of expensive girlfriends and this and that, and, and that's just part of it. Yes, they, they, you know, you want to entertain a woman in a great way. You've got, you know, sometimes some money is required. Creativity is, is, is required and that's okay. That's part of it, but don't, what a lie. My parents would probably say, Joe, you shouldn't spend that money on her. Uh, that was a little much. But my parents aren't, we're not having arguments. We're not having fights. We're not having discussions on, oh, you took her to a nice dinner. Why'd you do that, you jerk face? What? Niedermeyer, come on, let's be more creative. Let's be a little more creative. How about, I know it might make you look a little worse, but let's come up with something a little more believable. Let's come up with something believable like, Hey, I got a drug problem. Oh, I got a drug problem. I need to pay in cash. Oh, because let's be honest, drug dealers don't take credit. They don't take swipe cards. They take cash. Come up with something believable. Or, or oh, I got a gambling problem. Oh, my bookie, uh, bookies, cash. Let's let's come up with something believable. What like what what is this? You're spending thirty thousand dollars on my girlfriend, and I want to keep it off the books. It's Come up with something believable. You had months and months going into the incident investigation. Yes, it prob- it makes you look worse to say, oh, I have a drug problem. And you might have gone into a little rehab and gone away. But you, the, the excuse is absolutely stupid. The excuse is beyond stupid. <laughs> it's, it, come on. You're, you're trying to get away with something? Are you trying to get away with something? Are you just being as dumb as possible? I, I, I find a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the details coming out of the Tennessee case to be just laughable. And, and, and granted, like, I don't really even have a problem with these recruits getting money. And I don't even have a problem with Jeremy Pruitt trying to get one over on the rest of the, uh, the, the rest of college football. Really, what I find hilarious is just these stupid excuses. No, neither my, uh, my girlfriend is so expensive that I have to keep the money off the books because my parents are going to get mad at me for spending money X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Dude, my parents would say, hey, you treat that girl nice. You treat that girl nice, whatever she, you know, you, whatever makes it happen. Y- y'all do the, your thing. Can you afford it? Yeah. All right. Good for you. I love you, mom and dad. That's just a laughable excuse. A laughable excuse. And then for Jeremy Pruitt, look, I know the George Floyd situation was a hot button issue in, in the country. I know a lot of people, it put people on the polar opposites. And I'm not here to divide you guys. I'm here to basically just say that is a laughable excuse. Come on. Oh, I felt bad. I wanted to make him feel better. I want to make my recruits feel better. I, I, I felt bad about the state of the country, so I gave $750 in cash to my black athlete, to my black prospect. 
what? Be, just be honest. Just say, hey, man, I wanted them to come to Tennessee. I wanted them to come to Tennessee, and I thought 750 bucks would help them. Uh, I wanted them to come to Tennessee, so I orchestrated non-unofficial visits on an official capacity. Really, I think Jeremy Pruitt would have been absolutely fine. I think Jeremy Pruitt would have really probably gotten away with a lot of this stuff had he not worked the official visits during the COVID-19 uh, portion of the calendar. You remember the NCAA. The NCAA shut down recruiting, shut down in-person recruiting. Alabama had to come up with a Zoom package, and Nick Saban's been very vocal about how challenging that was. I really and truly believe if Jeremy Pruitt had not orchestrated on-campus visits during COVID-19, that a lot of this stuff would have been uh, not a big problem. When you orchestrate visits during COVID-19, when the rest of college football is uh, adhering to rules, even if they don't agree with them, I can promise you, Many college coaches probably did not want to take COVID nineteen very seriously. You know, I, and, that, and that is their that, that you know that's either here nor there. But what did happen was the colleges did shut down, even if the coach thought ah, COVID nineteen is no big deal. People thought it was no big deal. A lot of people thought it was a huge deal. That's up to you guys to decide. But what 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 did happen was college football did shut down. College football shut down official visits, shut down camps. Alabama was not able to host recruits in for camps. We've talked to some of our prospects already about how fun and how intense and how much Nick Saban sees and gleans out of those camps. I think when Jeremy Pruitt uh, circumvented the rest of college football by hosting uh, official visits during COVID-19, I think that he really he drew the attention and drew the ire and drew the uh, side eye from the rest of college football. Like, hey, man, we're – we're adhering to these rules. You need to as well. And I think that's why he got hammered so, so, so hard. All right. Two more topics for the day. And then we'll we'll roll into tomorrow. Two more topics for the day. Let's go football and then social. Football with uh, uh, Caleb Odom. Caleb Odom hits, on, uh, hits the Alabama recruiting class on Saturday. Caleb Odom, Adam Carrollton, Georgia, transferred from Villa Rica High School into Carrollton High School. And he's what, six foot five, six foot five, 220 pounds, number four, number five tight end in the 2024 class, joins Alabama, commits on Saturday, becomes Alabama's 14th overall commitment in the class, and jumps Alabama. Look, Alabama last week got one, two, three, four, four commitments in the 2024 class. So on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, uh, eight days ago, eight days ago, Alabama is sitting at what, 28, 29 in the recruiting rankings, and you see the dummies on social media. I'm sorry, that's just that's the nicest word I've got for you. The dummies. Nick Saban's lost it. Alabama can't recruit. Kirby's got him beat. Michigan's better. Ohio State's better. Blah, 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 blah. You dummies. This has happened for three or four years in a row. Boom. Nick Saban is building and working his own calendar, his own pace. He goes from the mid-20s, 28, 29, last Sunday morning, pulls in four commitments, Xavier Brown, Xavier Brown, Justin Okoronko, Casey Poe, and now uh, Caleb Odom on Saturday. Four commitments later, in the span of a week, Alabama goes from 28 to number five. Come on, guys. Don't you see this every year? You see it every single year. And you're at number five with what? 10, 11, 12 more scholarship positions to be filled. You obviously want to get to right at 25, give or take one or two, depending on the transfer portal. So you got room to grow. you got room to add for this Alabama class. Casey Poe, what are you going to get out of him? You're going to get a huge, huge athlete. Um, he's ranked, the, like I said, the fourth, fifth tight end, best tight end in the country. 
great basketball player, big-time athlete, was already given scholarship options to go to LSU playing basketball and football. You can see him. He has an amazing highlight package uh, as far as far as dunking the basketball on the basketball floor. But you're not going to want to see him on the, on the on the basketball floor. You are going to see him in the receiving room. You're going to see, see him catching passes. He looks like he looks like a great. Uh, he looks like a young Tony Gonzalez. Did I say that? He looks like a young. You know, Brock Bowers. Oh, did I say that too? No, yeah. He looks like a receiving weapon. Six foot five, long, long arms, huge wingspan, huge catch radius. Now, obviously, you got to get to college. You got to put on some weight. You got to put on some strength. You have to assimilate to the tight end position. We heard from Giles Amos, former Alabama tight end, former Alabama tight end, what, three, four, five weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. And he talked about how difficult it was to assimilate to the tight end position. Got to pick up the blocking. Lots of guys in high school are just receiving options at the tight end position. Got to pick up the blocking. And so we'll see about Caleb Odom if he's going to, uh, how quickly he will assimilate. But I think he's going to be a dangerous, dangerous weapon in the passing game. And as we stand, 14 commits. Alabama got another, look, it's what, six months till December? Don't worry about the Alabama recruiting rankings until December. I think the signing day is 15, 16, 17. Don't worry about it until then. And then even still, you got a little more room till the first week of February. Nothing is set in stone. Anybody commenting on recruiting rankings, even as it stands right now with Alabama at number five, because we know how people can come and go. Commitments can come and go. Look, if Alabama loses Perry Thompson, I promise you, you're dropping from five to eight, five to 12, five to somewhere. But it doesn't matter. The rankings are still fluid until December, until February. And look, if you guys have been paying attention, if you care about recruiting at all, you have been paying attention for 16 bleeping years. Alabama's going to finish with a top five, top 10 class. You're going to finish with the group of guys, the 25 guys that Nick Saban is really, really happy with. So come on, guys. Let's uh, be patient. Let's enjoy the ride. Let's get to know a lot of these guys. We'll continue to try to get to know a lot of these 2024 commitments. Yes, I'll be trying to reach out to Caleb Odom and bring him on the program, just like everybody else that we've had already. Big thanks to Joseph Iannata, Julian Sayan. We've also had Caden uh, Jones and Sterling Dixon, four Alabama commits already on the program. We've got two targets, William Sanders and Amari Jefferson, on the program as well. If you want to hear any of those interviews, you can hear them on YouTube, on Facebook, on Apple Podcasts, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, right there, the Joe Gaither Show. You can listen to any of those replays and get to know some of those recruits. So let's finish it. Let's finish it up with a little social topic. I've wasted 57 minutes of your time so far. I've got a couple more minutes left in the tank, and yes, this will be a little bit of a social topic and not as much a football topic. It involves two football players, two Alabama football players, over the weekend making lifetime decisions. Uh, we don't want to impose anybody any. Uh, we don't want to impose any any of our real beliefs on our Bama Central listeners. We appreciate all of our Bama Central listeners, but I personally was very excited and very happy to see Caden Proctor and Alasa Lennon over the weekend uh, making decisions to dedicate their lives to Christ and get baptized. Both those guys uh, going on social medias, and you can see that I've retweeted both of those guys' posts at Joe Gaither 6 uh, to, to comment and congratulate those guys making big, big decisions off the field. Look, um, Alabama, I, I, I love the way that Alabama develops players on the field, I, I, but I also think that Alabama puts players in positions, whether they are Christian or other um 
other religions and subscribe to other religions. I, I think Alabama puts players in positions to grow, uh, to grow and become their best men, become the best men that they are uh, on and off the field. And, and granted, you can again uh, be feel however you want to feel about your own religions and, and religion in general. But I really uh, encourage and uh, Olasa Lennon and Caden and Proctor in those decisions that they made this weekend. I'm excited about those personal choices. Look, I'm excited about them as football players. I think Caden Proctor is going to probably be your starting right tackle this year. I think Olasa Lennon will be a great developmental piece on the offensive line. Both those guys seem to have the it, the attitude, the nastiness that Joseph Iannata talked about last weekend that Alabama's reverting back to. So uh, both those guys making big-time life decisions off the field. I say congratulations. I encourage you guys also to say congratulations on their own social medias. You can follow them, uh, find their, their handles and their socials at Joe Gaither 6 You can see those retweets uh, from those great posts. So that's really going to do it for the day. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Woo, we went 59 minutes. That's two shows in a row. We've gone over an hour or right at an hour. That must mean one thing. Football season's coming. Woo, it's coming. It's right here around the corner, 47 days away from Alabama kicking it off. Look, tomorrow on the program, we're going to keep the football rolling. I'm going to be talking to Mr. John DeWitt. John DeWitt has been in charge of a very important project. You say, who is that? He's been in charge of regrowing the grass at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Mr. John DeWitt runs all of the practice fields and facilities over at the Malmore Center. Uh, and so really, really excited to talk to my, my friend, John. I know him outside of work as well. A great man, a great family man, and obviously putting a lot of time into the Alabama athletics programs. A lot of underappreciated time. He and his staff, I mean, baseball and softball season, extremely difficult to keep those fields manicured when they, when you've got three game weekends, five game weekends, you got to keep those fields looking premium and press, uh, nice and pristine. And not only that, like if you have to have the practice fields ready for Nick Saban, look, we're nothing without our groundskeepers. So uh, we did do a new project in Bryant Denny Stadium, putting down new grass, doing a nice little uh, ventilation system to keep it, uh, you know, to, in case it rains really hard. And I believe I've heard it, it's reacting like, uh, like, putting green like a putting green i can get in the in the brian denny stadium end zone and putt uh i'm really excited to talk to to john dewitt tomorrow about that project obviously huge deal some things that go on behind the scenes at brian denny stadium to make football season work for you to make football season work for nick saban so we'll talk to john dewitt on the program tomorrow about that entire project that he and his team have over have undertaken this year and making sure that we're ready for that kickoff 47 days away mtsu coming to town we want to make sure that the field looks nice and ready uh, might slip in a Super Bowl question or two obviously the field got a lot of a uh, got a lot of a tr uh, attention during the Super Bowl uh, we'll, we'll talk to him uh, really just about uh, football about grass and about all kinds of things going on in Bryant Denny Stadium tomorrow so look follow Austin Hannon Austin is up there and Nashville right now he is in the room watching Brian Kelly. It's, it's Texas A&M day it's LSU day and it's Missouri day so uh, Brian Kelly's already been up He's already highlighted as his SEC Western defending uh, SEC Western uh, champions. Yeah, Brian Kelly came in and won the West in his first year, trying to defend the West in its final year. Uh, so Brian Kelly's already been at the podium. A podium. Austin Hannon's covering it for for Bama Central at Austin Hannon SI BamaCentral.com. We're gonna get Jimbo Fisher and we're gonna get Eli Drinkwitz up there as well. Look, Alabama Day is gonna be on Wednesday. Tomorrow is gonna be a travel day for myself. We will be doing the program. I'm gonna do it early and put it up at its normal time at one o'clock Central Time. So look, I appreciate everybody jumping in on the program. David, your comments are always appreciated. If you're
you're still watching. Love you so much for, for commenting. Anybody who wants to comment on the show, make fun of the host or the content, you can do it on Facebook, on Twitter, right there at Joe Gaither 6 You can find me. I'll accept pretty much anybody's friend request at this moment because we're trying to grow the show and grow the audience. We love you guys very much. I love Chris Walsh and Bama Central for putting me on each and every day. Follow him at Writing Walsh. Follow us at BamaCentral.com. We'll be up in Nashville for Wednesday. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be such a fun week. I'm really planning. I cannot wait. I think I'm going to get a little bit of time with Kool-Aid, a little bit of time with JC, a little bit of time with with, with Dallas Turner as well. So it's going to be a huge week. I am uh, over the moon, ecstatic, ready for for all of it to unfold. And I hope you guys will join me right here on BamaCentral.com. One more time, follow us at BamaCentral.com. Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. For Joe Gaither, that's me, you the listener. Have a great Monday. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. Stay safe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Roll Tide from BamaCentral.com.